Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, and my co-host, Jack Fitzpatrick, and I are going to quickly debate whether Elon Manning is a Hall of Famer or not. Yeah, we actually didn't, we normally discuss our first topic, like, really in-depth before we start the podcast on accident, and then we end up having nothing to say on the podcast, but then by happenstance, we didn't even touch on this before the before the podcast. So I want to get your take first. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Yeah. To me, he is. He has two rings. He was pretty solid over his career. I get the argument that, like, Eli was, like, never the best. But when Eli was in his prime, Eli was pretty solid. And I think the two rings make him someone who'll get in. I think you can argue more that he doesn't deserve to get in, but I'd be very surprised if he isn't in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think I think that's the question. It, it's kind of twofold of, is he a Hall of Famer and will he get in? I think, yes, he will get in, but I don't think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. I think so much of it is if he had this career without the Manning last name, I don't know that he would necessarily have the same love of like, oh yeah, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. And... I, I don't think – I think if he wins these two Super Bowls against anyone but the Patriots, I don't know if we hold him in such high regard. Yeah, it's just – it's interesting too because he's threw so many interceptions throughout and, his career, especially late. And he's – Or I guess even in the middle. But he's, he's a 500 career quarterback. Statistically speaking, he would be the worst like um, – which stat one of the one of the new like analytic stats he would be the worst by about 50 spots i think the worst right now it works in the tweet they were excluding namath um but if if manning would get it he'd be like 104th in this stat and the lowest hall of fame quarterbacks 52nd so wow but to me yeah he has two super bowls and stuff like that but and because of that, he will get into the Hall of Fame, I do believe. I think it might take a little bit. He's not a first ballot. It, it'll take a couple tries at it. Um, but I, I, I don't think if it's 
I don't think it's 100% warranted. Yeah, I think there's there's a case to be made that he's not just because some of the seasons he had, you know, close to as many interceptions. He had one year, I think. Yeah, look, I'm looking at his stats now. I think it's just one year where he had more interceptions than he did touchdowns. But he had a lot of years that were like Jameis Winston kind of years where he'd throw a lot of touchdowns and throw almost that many interceptions. So I think that's sort of the area that was his issue. But then you look at how well he played in some of those Super Bowl runs, how well he played yeah. in the postseasons and that probably gets him in. Yeah. I mean, a career 5,000 plus passing yards, 366 TDs, 244 interceptions, 117, 117 record. But here's the kicker two time Super Bowl MVP. Not a lot of quarterbacks can say that. If he didn't have rings, I would not say that he would get in. I don't think any, I don't think this would be a debate if he didn't have a ring, but he's got two. He has two, and there is no easy way to segue this from Eli Manning and this start of this podcast, but I guess football is our main, yeah. is our, what, carryover? Yeah. That sounds about right. Perfect. Yeah. Heck, heck of a transition. <laughs> we don't really have much on football because we pretty much did a debrief last week, but I guess the only update is Ezra Archie. It's transferring to Monmouth, which is interesting because I think they'll play them not next year, but is it the year after that they play Monmouth, th- or is it way later? No, I think it's next year. We're not twenty, tw- think- not twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. Yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. So, gotcha. Now that, that sounds we right. are in twenty twenty season right now, like in my mind. Okay, okay. So you've turned the page. Yeah. So to everyone who listens to us, when I refer to next season, I mean twenty twenty one. Well, we'll end up going against Archie. Good for him finding a landing spot. I think he's from Jersey, right? He is. He's a um, – I, I just read where he's from. But, yeah, Jersey native, going back home. Yeah, good for him. His He was kind of injured his sophomore year um, and then didn't yes. play at all this year. I don't think he I, – I don't, I don't know how long for the season he was suited up as a Duke. But his freshman year, he showed great flashes. He was a kind of a go-to receiver at times. But then that injury just kind of derailed it all. And I'm happy for him to go to Monmouth, get a fresh start. They just lost uh, running back Pete to the NFL draft. So they're kind of retooling, rebuilding down there or up there, I should say. So Ezra has a chance to really shine and hopefully he can he can do really well up there. Yeah, good for him. He's a, he was a really good player that I was excited about. So tough for JMU to lose him. Uh, but they've got a lot of receiver and, and hopefully he thrives there. So that's pretty much the main football news i was just looking at the schedule today because the acc announced their <laughs> schedule so i had to look at virginia's and i kept looking at that north carolina game and i was like that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah when north carolina dropped their like graphic of it and it says james madison yeah. on it i was really excited about that i was like dang like look at this schedule and jmu's included in it and i just love that they start with delaware to me that's exciting i i will be not contrarian i will be like a well but type of guy right here. Well but I hate how it ends with Merrimack. The Merrimack. I think it was supposed to be was it supposed to be North Carolina and then it got switched. I read that somewhere, but I don't know how accurate that was. But I do remember North Carolina is supposed to be November, I thought. Oh, okay, then that might So that I think they might have had to do like a last second like a oh, oops. Yeah. And they had to throw them in or something. But yeah, that's kind of a boring but, but even mean, so, can... if UNC was the last one, the last game, I would still not be a big fan of that. I like ending really? it on CAA games. Like I, that's fair. I like I like the conf- I like how in the NFL, Week Seventeen is a conference matchup. I I want that for for um for college football, just because 
especially in the CAA, you don't know if your last CAA game is going to be for all the marbles. But I like that too, especially thinking you look at like the last week of the regular season in FBS, it's almost always rivalry week. Yeah. Um, if it, they could somehow end the year every year at Richmond or with Richmond, I think that would be really fun. I mean, I don't know why Richmond sort of gets spread out throughout. Yeah. But I think ending it, ending it on Richmond would be sweet because then it would be like this this game where uh, maybe Thanksgiving break could, could impact that. I don't know. But it would still be cool in my yeah. opinion if they ended with Richmond. But, that would be cool. It's all a pipe dream. William Mary or something, yeah. A rivalry would be fun, but <laughs> Merrimack, that's our new rival. <laughs> it's letter winner wicket weekend. <laughs> gosh, good gosh. All right, so then moving on to some other spring sports stuff, Kirsten Roadcap, um, the catcher for JMU softball, is not with the program anymore. That was sort of news that came out this week. Yes. Um, she released a statement. On Facebook. On Facebook. Um, yeah, you can read that. I think we retweeted it. Yeah, we um, did. Just a quick synopsis of what she said. She said it was due to grades. Yeah. Um, she just kind of wanted to get ahead of the news that would come with it as the season would get started. Smart by her. Yeah. Wish her all the best for her senior year. Yeah, that, that stinks for her. Um, yeah, it really She's stinks. been really good at JMU, but, but still had a heck of a three-year career and was certainly impactful during last season's Super Regional run. Yeah, fantastic catcher. Sometimes at the plate left a little bit to be desired, but mm-hmm. made up for it with her catching ability. No doubt. No doubt. All right, so let's dive in here. We're going to do a lot on men's and women's basketball, kind of get into it this week. We've done a lot of football the last few weeks, obviously. Um, but now we're going to jump in to men's and women's basketball before the spring season starts in a couple weeks. All right, let's start men's basketball. So I kind of got a little bit of a conversation going on Twitter today, humble brag. Um, <laughs> but basically, JMU tweeted from like from JMU, not from JMU Athletics. They tweeted something about, um, it was an article that really had absolutely nothing to do with the basketball arena, and I just made it about the basketball arena. But their caption that they used was that it will have 8,500 seats for basketball games, um, which was like just literally just a paragraph in this article about all the different construction <laughs> projects. But like, I don't know if you're going to tell me that as the caption, I'm going to pull that out. So then I was like, didn't have that much going on today, to be honest with you. I'm working on some stories for work, but I've got, you know, the whole week to do them because Virginia's got like five days off of basketball. So I looked up the stats and men's basketball is averaging 2,100, basically 2,100 fans per home game this year. Some of those come over like Thanksgiving break and stuff. I know it um, and and winter break, but the the dip is not really that drastic. And then you look at the women's basketball home games, they're averaging a conference best by far, but it's still just over 2,000. Um, And the new arena is going to see... 8,500 fans. And I was like, huh. <laughs> Which I knew that that number was the number. Like, I think You've I've known it. Yeah, I mean, we've known it since they announced the building. Right. But I like never piece it together. And then I started writing and I was like, wait, like this makes absolutely no sense for a program. And then I had another tweet where I included Scooby Doo with a little rut row is that they've had since 2013 14, the attendance has steadily decreased by a couple hundred per year. Um, it was at 3,600 in 2013-14, and it's once Roe started, it dipped under 3,000, and now it's close to dipping under 2,000. So it's steadily declining, and now they're building this massive $88 million <laughs> arena that's going <laughs> to fit 8,500 people. And I'm just like, why? Like, what is the point? I just, and I understand the point. Like, the convocation center is kind of disgusting. It's like this dimly lit, weird, high school-esque gym. So I get that. But my thing is, if your men's basketball team is, like, nowhere near 
a conference title contender in a bad conference, and now you're building this new arena. Like, you have to start taking men's basketball seriously at some point, right? Am I wrong no, to say that? No, you're right. I, so, like, I, I understand both sides of it. Like, man, 8,500 is a big arena, especially when you're averaging barely 2,000, like, in seats yeah. now. So, it's going to look – It's a lot of empty seats. It's a, Yeah. You're not even, you're not even getting cl- – also, like, when they were at their peak, when they – in 2013-14, when they were averaging 3,600 a game – that's still not half the arena. Right. I will say the 2013-14 team was not worth writing home about necessarily, but I, I they had like their I guess their their golden age was like the eighties when they're they're racking up some people. Yeah. They could get I think they've got a few from the eighties that were like seven thousand plus crowds and they're getting consistently five to six thousand. Yeah. But but that's been all we were not alive. Yeah, then. like <laughs> right. that and also <laughs> you did need to build a new stadium and it would be counterproductive to build a new stadium that only sat 3000. Here's my question for you. Would it have been better to build a small one? No, because what they're also using this for. Okay. That's fair. Cause like how stupid would it be to have a 3000 seat <laughs> like, like arena for commencement? Like it just doesn't, it doesn't very fit true. everyone. And like, very true. And for concerts to have a 3,000-seat, like, arena. Right, when you've got like, 20,000 undergrads. Yeah, so, like, they had to make it big. And I do kind of wonder if, like, the more, like, event side of it pushed it to being a bigger arena. And I wonder yeah. if the basketball side of it was kind of like, let's do the small <laughs> we can do, guys. Like, I don't know. We're kind of pushing it here. And they were like, all right, done, 8,500 in basketball. I was like, Ah, ooh, uh, it's, can we bring it down anymore? And they were like, fine, we'll put tarps over the top and we'll take it from 9,500. And the smallest we can do is 8,500. But, you know. Because <laughs> I get that aspect of it. And that is certainly the reason why. I was just thinking of, <laughs> I went to, I don't know where it was. It was, hold on, let me try to figure out. It was the Ivy League championship game. And I was in Connecticut last year. And I had nothing going on, so I just went to it. <laughs> and they played it in some like tiny little thing. I guess it was Yale's arena. I don't know. Whatever it was, it was very small and compact, and it was just awesome because it was like classic basketball, where it's all everybody's piled in, the crowd is yeah, loud, and it feels almost good. like it's high like, school. Yeah, basically. So I, I mean, I really like that like element of it. But I mean, you're right; you can't really do that if you're trying to <laughs> use it. You can't have like a conference in there. So no, I, I definitely, I, yeah. I mean, I get that aspect of it. It's just like. Oh my God, like you're about to have a lot of empty seats. Yeah, and I know the CAA basketball tournament for the men's is moving more so to DC, right? Is that like yeah, it's in, in the plan this year? Yeah. So, like, I don't know if their, their idea is to maybe bring it to JMU and do that maybe. type of thing, but I don't know. But the women's basketball has chances to host it because of the way they are true. They kind of go around. So, I mean, you might have some CA tournament games. Yeah, CA women's basketball tournament games in there, which probably won't sell it out because those games really don't get that packed either because CAA teams don't travel well in women's basketball. Right. Um, So I'm kind of just talking to try to fill that arena in my mind in just some way. Um, It is a lot. 8,500 is a damn big number for a team that's pulling 2,100 right now. I don't think you can build that arena and not switch conferences. That's 
Like, I don't see how you can stay in the CAA and build an arena like that. Um, maybe, maybe they will. I just don't know how long-term how you can stick in this conference that really doesn't draw anyone for any sport other than, like, JMU. Like, I mean, you look at football. None of those road venues are anywhere near what JMU does. You look at any of the other sports, like softball. I would think I watched him play Towson last year because Megan Good struck out like twenty some people, so I streamed it on like <laughs> someone's iPhone, basically. Is what and it looks like, but packed. There's people standing. <laughs> no, no, that was the Towson. It was at Towson. Oh, oh, oh. So that one, like you could <laughs> so, see like like those dust things and like an open field going through. But then, and the people that were there were JMU fans. But then, when you talk about streaming a JMU game, there are people standing. Right, it's like standing yeah. room only, and that's what I mean. Where it's like JMU <laughs> interest around sports is so much bigger. Like I haven't seen a, a Towson sports podcast recently. Um, like interacting <laughs> with us. I mean, you've got like us and the Jamie sports blog and like the Barstool account and all these people that are just like interested in just talking about Jamie sports in their free time. And that's not really anywhere else. So that makes me think if you're going to build this thing and you've got this huge arena and you're sort of, they've helped improve the field at baseball. I think they did a nice little thing there. It looks yeah, pretty that, cool. It looks really nice. I just don't see how they keep making these facility changes. I don't think that they have staying in the CAA in their long-term plans. That would be my guess. Obviously, you have to get an invite to a conference. Yeah. I just, I just don't know why in the world you would build something this large and this expensive if you're planning on putting 2,000 people in it. No, and we kind of texted about this too earlier in the week. JMU is just on a different level when it comes to every single sport across the CAA, except yeah. for <laughs> – Two, so there's three really important sports, in our opinion, that'll get you that that invite to the next, to the bigger and better conference. Those are football, basketball, and baseball. JMU's fantastic at 33% of those. They are yep. trash in this in in a majority of them in basketball and baseball. Maybe not trash. I might no. I'll say trash. They're trash <laughs> in those other two men's basketball. I should say. Um, the baseball team's not very good. That yeah. Well, I'm saying like men's, yeah. Um, so that's what's holding them back, and I do think they're making these facility changes because they see in the future that they're going to get better in those two. And I do think the second they get better, like they have an NCAA tournament berth or they win the CAA, and there's hope on the horizon for men's basketball. And if baseball can just string something together and have a top four seed in the CAA tournament, I think conferences might start to, to at least ponder JMU getting an invite soon. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that with the facility changes, if you can get those programs up to speed, you look at the Olympic sports don't necessarily um, create an invite, but I think they definitely make a conference more willing when you look yeah. at a team like uh, softball, and then obviously the women's basketball program is really good. And the soccer's both soccer programs are respectable. Um, swimming and diving. I mean, lacrosse, of course, won the national championship recently. So that kind of, <laughs> they did. That kind of stuff is huge, right? So I think that that plays a role, but you can't offset when you have like those major revenue sports, football, and men's basketball. Yeah, that sort of stand out as those big ones, and then baseball sort of factors in as well. I think. Um, and softball even a little bit um, recently. I think it became like a revenue sport. But yeah, men's basketball is huge. And you can't be this bad. Like they're terrible. Yeah, they're, they're arguably the worst team in the conference. No, they, I, 
Well, according to Ken Palm, that's UNCW by a large. UNCW with their new coach, I bet they could be JMU if they played on a neutral site right now. Um, You could put them in the freaking convo, and I bet UNCW could beat them because how how much of a home court advantage is the convo right now with 2,100 people in it? Um, Exactly. Sorry, that was a really rude side tangent by me right there. Um, What, in the convo? I think it's fair. (laughs) I forgot what I was saying now that I got so. Become a sad state. But. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, they're just so bad. They never compete for anything. If they maybe competed for a CAA title, like, once every four years, once every three years, like, maybe. And I know we're kind of just diminishing that that run with Brady in, what, 2015 (laughs) to 16 when they won, like, when they had a really good regular season, but they fell apart in the tournament. Like, the way the the CAA is set up, you don't play for regular season titles like you play for the tournament and you want to get set up well but we have there hasn't been a solid stretch by a jmu team in the last what since i was a sophomore in high school yeah they made the tournament in like 20 it was either one of the 2013s i can't remember it was 2012 i think it was 2012 13 but let me check and they were a, I believe they were a 16 seed. And they were, yeah, they played in the first four. So everyone's like, we want to see, we won an NCAA tournament yeah. game. <laughs> no, yeah, we, didn't. we beat another 16 seed. And they got demolished by Indiana. <laughs> no, but the thing that stands out too is like, they, it's not even like they're winning regular season titles. If they were able to win a regular season title yeah, under yeah, Brady, yeah. then you get an automatic NIT berth. And an NIT for this program would be absolutely massive, just even being able to play in it. Instead, yeah, look what it does for like, women's basketball, the NIT. Right. Right. It's awesome. And instead they'd be like third and they'd be like, oh, going into the tournament. I think they have a good chance. They'd get the bye and then they get their butt whooped in the first round. And you're like, what, what was this season for? And then they had one year where they played in like the, it was the CIT or the CBE. So it was something terrible. And I was so like, like the NIT of the NIT. I was, yes. And I was surprised <laughs> they accepted the invite. And I watched the game in my dorm. It was my freshman year. It was the, co- okay, it was even worse. Collegeinsider.com postseason tournament. They played. <laughs> Could you imagine hanging the banner for that? And now look up to the rafters. The collegeinsider.com champions. Like, that's what? You, you probably Jack don't remember Jack Cavanaugh this. over the loudspeaker in convo. <laughs> you don't remember this game, do you, right? No, why would I watch okay, the okay. collegeinsider.com so, <laughs> first round game? Guess who they played in the first round. And this is the only round they played in, by the way, because they lost. Who did they play? Um, can you give me a conference? I don't even know what conference this is. Hold on. <laughs> I'm confident uh, if you give me the conference, I can get it. Big South, I guess? Yeah, Big South. Citadel. No. Are they it in was... the Big South? I, I think for basketball, probably, right? I don't know. I think I have no idea. It was um, South Carolina Upstate. <laughs> and they played at South Carolina Upstate. And they lost by a point. They lost by a point. It was absolutely awful. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is what it was. They used a 9-0 run over the final three minutes to win by one. Right? Just insane. But also, like, completely irrelevant. But, like, they somehow find a way in the irrelevant <laughs> to lose to lose in a heartbreaking fashion <laughs> after a 17-point beatdown loss to Hofstra. That the means they were up conference championship game. eight with three minutes left. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's just awful. not but... score one basket. And that has translated to recent years. And it's just ridiculous. 
So, I mean, like, they played that game completely irrelevant, and they haven't, like, not, they can't get to the NIT. They're not close to the NCAA tournament. They're so irrelevant that people genuinely do not care. Like, <laughs> nobody cares. And I don't blame people for not caring. I barely care. Half the yeah, time. I, I was going to say, like, there are times that I'm like, do I want to play Madden tonight, or do I want to <laughs> watch JMU on Flow Sports against Charleston? The only reason I ever put them on on Flow Sports is because I paid $12 a month for that stupid thing. And then that's what I do. I'll go on to Flow Sports. I'll watch it. And I'm like, oh, we haven't scored in the last 15 minutes. Madden, here I come. It's just terrible because, like, I mean, people don't care. And I think that's what's kind of alarming. You have a new arena and people don't care about your team. <laughs> that's a concern. But I think the positive of the new arena is I think it actually adds pressure to win. Yeah, it does. So I think it's at a point where – um they need to start winning. So I guess let's transition a little bit. Um, do you think there's any chance Lewis Rowe keeps his job? We were talking off air about this, and you kind of brought it up. And reading the article you put out on jmusportsnews.com about it. Um, thank you. I've really worked on my plugs. <laughs> um, I, yeah, there's a good chance he stays. And as much as that hurts me, I don't think he should. Um, he's a great guy, which – like makes it, I think that much harder too for yeah. like all of these conversations for the media and for us to have, cause he's a great guy, but I, I don't see him being able to turn around this program when you have four years of sustained mediocrity or below mediocrity, mm-hmm. there's no way to kind of turn that corner. You've lost the same way now for four years. Um, I, I don't think he should stay, but I think there's a chance he does. You were saying, I won't steal your reasoning for why there's a good chance he stays. I just, there is a chance he stays, but I think it would be fool's gold. Yeah, people have kind of wrote him off at this point, I think. And I, I mean, I was looking back at some of my tweets from like last year, and I thought he was going to get fired last year. Yeah, and then you, you, are, you hit a hard 180 this season, and it really took me by surprise. I did. I understood after the year the logic behind keeping him, even though I thought it was somewhat flawed, because you kind of saw what you needed to see, I thought. But he also brought in coaches that were better over the offseason assistants. Um, he was willing to do that. Um, I mean, I just thought he was willing to get better, and the fact that they were able to retain the talent by keeping him, I thought was somewhat relevant. But they're 8-10 and 10 this year, 1-6 in the league, which is absolutely terrible. Fascinatingly, I was looking at detailed Ken Palm since I paid for it, and, wow, um, you paid for detail, the, Ken Palm? Heck yeah. I spent a quick side tangent. Sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt no, you. No, no, go. I spent so much time on Ken Palm today at work because I was trying to find... Detail Ken Palm? No, just Ken Palm. Because <laughs> I was trying to find an angle to talk about what San Diego State's doing right now, which, by the way, is what shame you should be doing, talk about mid-major success. Um, but, man, I was on there just looking at adjusted... Uh, everything but back to what you're saying sorry to interrupt well i think that part of that going back to your point a little bit when you talk about mid-major success that's why it's so frustrating and i know the caa is more of a low major but like (laughs) this year if it proves anything in college basketball it's that you don't have to be kentucky or duke or unc to win games and be a legitimate ncaa tournament threat dayton is a team that's come on really strong you mentioned san diego state jmu could become a program like that that's really good dominates their conference and is able to win a lot of games. And instead, you know, here they are struggling at the bottom of the conference. So that's why it's so frustrating. But 
Um, they can. So for Rowe to save his job, you look last year, they won 14 games. They won 10 games the two years before that. They're eight and 10 right now. They have 11 conference games left plus the um, conference tournament. Let's say they go eight and three. So he'd be 16 and 13 going in the conference tournament. Let's say he wins two games. And then, okay. <laughs> Remember the, when the, you wanted them to win 20 games? I did. But you look at them, they should have won 20 games this year. But you look at them and they go, they go eight and three. They're 16 and 13 going in the conference tournament. Let's say they win. Let's say they get a bye somehow. I don't know if they technically would, but let's say they get a bye and they win the quarterfinal and the semifinal. They're 18 and 13, 10 and 3 in their last 13. Then they lose the championship game. They'll finish 18 and 14 with a strong finish. I don't know if they fire him because I think they bring him back for the senior year of Lewis, Banks, and Wilson. Yeah. Um, so I, now look, I will, <laughs> I will admit the chances of them winning eight of their last 11 games, it's not going to happen. Like they're not going to do it. Right, I feel very confident in saying that this team is not going to go eight and three down the stretch because when you play at home and Coppin State beats you by sixteen at one point in the year, and then you lose to Radford by twenty three, and then you lose by <laughs> to Northeastern by sixteen, College of Charleston by sixteen, uh, you lose to Drexel, Towson, and Delaware as part of your four game losing streak, and your only conference win is at UNCW, which had players transferring out mid year. Um, there's a player on UNCW who decided he'd rather return home to Japan than play for that team. And that's the only team that Jamie has beaten. So I think when you look at that, that sort of tells you what you need to know about the program, right? So they're not going to go eight and three in their last 11. I think they're probably going to move on. But it is fair to say that Jeff Bourne, if he can find an excuse to keep Lewis Rowe and they do finish the year strong, I think he will keep him. Here's a question for you. What if they don't even finish the year strong, but they have a strong conference showing? So say they're a low major, a low seed, but they sh- they rattle off a first round win, a quarterfinal win, a semifinal win, and then a loss in the championship. But a close loss, you could honestly just replay our podcast from last year because I was asking these same same questions. If yeah. they do that, do you think Bourne has an excuse to keep him? If they finish the season below five hundred in the regular season, I think he needs to win the conference tournament, make the NCAA tournament to stay alive. Um, you look at Matt Brady the year he won the conference tournament; they made the NCAA tournament. Legitimate chance he was going to be fired if he didn't do that. Um, and that bought him a couple of years, really. Um, and I think that, that Roe, if he doesn't, if they go in like below 500, in my opinion, especially if they're below 500 in the league, which they're two games below 500 overall and five, five. games below 500 in the league, they're seven and 10 if you remove the win over Shenandoah, which I do think should be removed. So they're seven and 10 really against D1 teams. Um, you know, if they are below 500 in conference, below 500 overall, even if they make the championship, I think that they're making a move just because of the $80 million arena that's opening. Yeah. And you kind of look at William and Mary and what they did. They left, they, they fired their coach, right? Yes. Okay. I, I didn't know if I was remembering this right. They fired their coach and there was kind of a question of like around the CAA and around the media of the CAA of like, well, what are they doing? Like, is this a smart move? Like, this coach wasn't doing poorly. And now look where William and Mary's at in a year. That's an interesting one. I still think that one was kind of a questionable fire, but I get it because Tony Shaver had been there, I think, 17 years and didn't take him to the NCAA tournament once. So when you get to a certain point, sometimes it makes sense to make a change. And I think JMU is, is nearing that point. You look at TJ Ack asked Lewis Rowe about his job security, and um, Rowe was pretty honest, and it sounded like, in my opinion, someone that knows that if they don't go on a run, he's going to be fired, which I think everybody knows. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no real shame in talking about it. He makes, 
he's in his four years at JMU made over a million dollars. So I would certainly feel bad for him if he got fired, but to a certain extent, right. That's someone who's making a million dollars and not necessarily doing what they were paid to do. Yeah. And he's going to, he's going to find a spot no matter where hundred percent as he's a, a great recruiter and a great assistant coach. hundred percent. As a friend of ours says, he is a lifetime assistant coach and there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's a case to be made for that. And I think that that might end up being sort of his future, but obviously tough for him at this point and, and hopeful. I mean, I hope they rattle off wins. I do. I hope they can piece it together and find a way to get it going and roll into next year. I just also, you know, it's hard to ignore. And I think at times I've sort of ignored the facts, which is that they're like, I think they're 20 and 41 in conference play under him in four years. Um, yeah. And I don't think you can, uh, Jeff Bourne and other people have sort of said that, like, you can throw out year one of Lewis Rowe. I don't think you can. No, you he returned a lot of starters. They lost a lot of games. Um, they were 10 and 23. I think that's proving to more be the norm than some weird, like, glitch where it's like, oh, throw it out because it's yeah, his first year, yeah, not his players. Yeah, if he, if he had a really good record. So two things with, like, that whole thing. If he had a really good record that year, no one would say throw out his first year because it wasn't exactly. his guys. And then also, but if he were to go on after that year and have 20 wins, 25 wins, and win a CAA, then you can be like, okay, that was, that was an outlier. 100%. But that's, it's not an outlier. Like he's, like he's repeated that outcome four times. Well, right. Since then, three times. But right now they're just more more talented, but still bad. Yeah. They're on paper, they're the CAA champions, but there's a reason you have to play the games on what Thursday. Saturdays, is that yeah? But yeah. to kind of move it forward from our our therapy session again, but this time with men's basketball rather than football. A couple questions we had from Twitter, yes, and it kind of loops into this, and they go one, they go, they're kind of one in the same. Chris Lawler at JMU Nation for Life. Zion Williamson is about to make his NBA debut. Um, yeah, I've got it up as well. <laughs> Chris Lawler, <laughs> JMU Nation for I'm Life. I'm screaming. I might be behind you. <laughs> okay. Um, I just got the ESPN notification. He said, let's talk JMU men's basketball future. We've kind of talked about their past right now with Roe. But he says, what's the formula to usher in a new era of success? And then JMU Barstool um, replied to that and said, I second this. He also, or whoever runs JMU Barstool, wants to see a potential new coach option or a few as well. Hashtag Rose gotta go. Good hashtag. That actually is a really uh, good hashtag. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think, I guess, what are you, what are your thoughts on the first part of that? Ushering in a new era. What do you think they need to do to start, I guess, winning? I think you kind of just have to throw out at the end of the season, just start fresh. You're getting a new arena and everything. So you got you to let go of row. You got to cut those ties. And whatever players leave with that, leave with that. Like, we were so caught up on that last season and the season before that of, like, if we let Roe go, we might lose Lewis and Wilson and Banks and all these guys. But it's like, this is a program, not a four-year tied to these guys and as good as they are and as talented as they are the program will move forward um regardless of what they're if they're with it or not um but i I think it all starts with cutting ties and just really starting fresh um 
getting a good coach, making a good hire. And I think it all comes down to who the new coach options are and who the new coach becomes. Because in college basketball specifically, you need a great coach to be great. You can't have a great roster to be great. Yeah, I mean, coaching is absolutely massive. You look at some of the teams that do it more with system than they necessarily do with players. Like, recruiting is huge. Um, but Matt Brady was winning 20-plus games with, like, kids from Lithuania. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, had, what he, was, he had that phone call with that uh, the top oh guard from what? Um... <laughs> Number four guard in Finland or something. <laughs> Unbelievable. But he was – I mean, he able, was able to add some some guys that were talented. And that's a random aside there. I clicked on the Zion thing, so I wanted to watch his debut. <laughs> And I pulled up accidentally. They have a cam that only follows Zion. And I was like, what is this broadcast? Like, he's on D right now, away from the ball. And then I figured out it was a Zion cam. And then I, I got it. But it was, if you imagine watching just a Zion cam all the game, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, but anyway, people are. <laughs> people are probably like, look at him on D. Oh, he's so thick. Anyway. No, but I think your point about coaching is huge and having the right system. Um, so I did look up names just because I saw this question and came up with a few, found a few. I'll start um, with, yeah, we'll start with J.D. Byers, who is an assistant coach at VCU. He's interesting to me uh, because he's got Virginia ties. Obviously, he's at VCU currently. But he was at Randolph-Macon as an assistant from uh, 2007 to 2010. And then he was at Radford as an assistant coach, and now he's the VCU coach, um, assistant coach since 2017. And his wife is actually the head volleyball coach at Radford, which I think is fairly close to Jamie, right? Oh, it's close enough. All right, yeah. Well, there you go. Is it closer than VCU to Radford or no? One second. I honestly don't even know. Add in <laughs> Je- of- we're going to add in Jeopardy music here. Yeah, so yeah, for yeah. G- VCU to Radford is um, yeah. three and a half hours. Oh, that's a hike. JMU to Radford is two hours. Okay, it's not that drastic. But still <laughs> – the, I'm sure they probably live in between. But interesting, if nothing else. I thought he was a good choice. But he also could be um, a legitimate choice to take the VCU head coaching job over should um, head coach Mike Rhodes end up leaving somewhere else. And he's an attractive candidate in VCU as the history of sort of moving coaches up. But I think he's a guy that you would consider. All right, moving along, there's an assistant at Georgetown, Akbar Wahid, I believe is how his name is pronounced. And he's fascinating to me because he was with – um, Joe Mahalik, the Hofstra head coach. Okay. He was with him for a while at Niagara and at Hofstra, so he's familiar with the conference. And he played high school ball at Gonzaga College High School in D.C., which is one of those like big, uh, I forget the conference, like the w- WACC yeah. or whatever. Yeah, he played high school ball there, so he's familiar with Virginia, familiar with the league, and he's an assistant at Georgetown in the D.C. area right now. So he's somebody that jumps out to me as someone that could, could very much make I sense. Like he also that spent. One. He spent a season as a, a scout for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think that's that's valuable experience. He's a guy that I really like. Um, who else do we have in here? I think people will bring up Kenny Brooks. He's not going to take the job. Okay, no. He's the Virginia Tech women's basketball head coach. Used to be Jamie's women's basketball head coach. We would have to pay him a heck of a lot more. He also has, I think, two daughters on the team right now. I know one of his daughters. Yeah, two daughters. One's a senior. The other one's a redshirt freshman. Why would he leave when he's coaching his daughter? Not going to. He's also got a great team brewing. Um, in Blacksburg, really developing them well. So that was one that stood out. And then let's see, I think I just had one more. Mike Jones, he's the current head coach at Radford. He makes $230,000 a year. Um, they've been pretty good under him, to be honest with you. Yeah, they have. And I, th- I don't know what your thoughts are on Radford versus JMU, and I don't mean any offense to Radford. I just think that a recruit 
when you look at JMU's campus, you look at the new facility, <laughs> no, all those JMU things. Every time. And with the new facilities. Right. Exactly. So I think that him, with what he's been able to do at Radford, you give him more resources. He knows Virginia, right? He's been at Radford for a while. He knows the state, knows the area. I think you add that with the recruiting, with the new facilities. He's a guy that, that has won 20-plus games for them a few times. He's made the NCAA tournament. They beat JMU this year by 23. Um, and the thing that stands out for them is they're just good in the, the Big South, right? They're good in their league, and that's what I think you need. Um, so I think they're – here we go. Yeah, 71-18 and 18 the last three years in the league. Actually, no, sorry. <laughs> I was looking at – this is an embarrassing mess up by me, so I have to bring it out. I was looking – you know, I told you the um, VCU assistant, his wife was the head coach of – Radford volleyball. Don't tell well, me you're Radford, looking at her. Radford women's volleyball is seventy-one and eighteen in the league. All right, <laughs> what a ridiculous, ridiculous mess. Up. I just have all these Radford tabs open. Sorry, but anyway, they're twenty-four and ten in the league the last two seasons. They were second um, in 2017-18, but they ended up winning the conference tournament, making it. They were tied for first last year in the regular season. Ended up falling just short in the finals, and then this year they're off to a really good start in conference play, they're five and one. They just lost their last game, but they did start off five and oh. They also performed well before that. Richmond this year is a really good team. Radford beat Richmond on a neutral site by fifteen points. They had a nine point loss at Mississippi State. They beat JMU by twenty three. They have a win on the road at Northwestern. Northwestern is bad, but you get the point that like they can beat power five teams. They beat in Texas before with Shaka Smart with Mike Jones. Mike Jones is a guy that makes a ton of sense because he's been at Radford for a while experienced head coach you're a step up it's also a place that he could potentially stay for a little bit because he's not a young gun assistant who would move up again he's in his mid-50s to me that's the name that jumps out it's not as flashy as maybe some of these other names but if you can get a guy that's proven to win at radford you'd think he could translate that to jmu and then or you can go for the vcu guy because his wife is an incredible volleyball coach based on their conference record (laughs) Uh, well let Sorry, us that was know a big rants about those names. Yeah, let us know who you think um Jamie should target. <laughs> I think this could drive a lot of great discussion on Twitter. But mm-hmm. between our guys, we got Mike Jones pegged, JD Byers, the VCU assistant yes. pegged, and my personal favorite, um Akbar Wahid. Yes. Akbar Wahid, um Georgetown assistant right now, but was also an assistant at Hofstra. But he has connections like to Virginia, he has connections to the CAA. I like that one the most. I think that one might have the most upside. Yeah, that one has the most upside and not I, highest ceiling, same floor as the rest of them. But you know who I think would be the best one out there, and I don't see why there's any reason why we can't get him. Go for it. Shock is smart. I mean, Stop yeah, this. he's yeah, he's making three point <laughs> one million at Texas, but we all know he's going to get fired by season's end because he's not. He he just isn't performing well. But if you put him back into the mid-major ranks, he was making 1.8 mil at VCU, and they were willing to offer him 2.8 mil for him to stay and not go to Texas. So all I'm saying is Jeff Bourne opens up the pocketbook a little bit. We get a little bit. <laughs> a little too- bit. <laughs> <laughs> Ten times what he normally pays. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Chuck is, no, we got- is not a – Buzz yes. Williams also is not a – I don't – I just feel like JMU fans right now are like going to these – former successful like yes. Virginia coaches. So Buzz yeah. Williams, Shaka Smart, Tony Bennett, why not? While we're while we're oh all my God. <laughs> I love the I appreciated the Shaka Smart suggestion. It's also 
super overestimating what JMU is as a basketball program. Yeah, right now. Um, and also, it's, it's super overestimating what um, JMU is willing to spend. If you yes. look at it, Lou Rose making two hundred sixty or 280000 a year. Yeah. I don't think Matt Brady was making much more. Um, during his days, maybe three hundred fifty thousand at the most. Um, right, right. And so, you'd be having to spend to get Shocker to get one of these like big name millions quote, unquote, of dollars. Yeah, these these splash hires that JMU fans want, where it's like, oh, I know that name because I see him on ESPN every night. Well, that name comes with millions of dollars. So like, you have to get a Mike Jones, a JD Byers, or an Akbar Wahid. Here's the other one we got. We got like a Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino's not coming here. He shouldn't be coming to JMU. Yeah, he, no, he like, also, also, I personally, like, this is a complete bias and opinion thing. I wouldn't want him near no. JMU. He wasn't, that's like hiring Art Bryles. Yes, you do not want Rick Pitino on your campus. Like, hmm, let's get hookers to JMU. That sounds like right. a good idea. No, I mean, I think that there's a lot of talk on Twitter about like a splash hire, and I understand why. Yeah. Because, like that would generate interest. Yes, but I think what you really need to do is there's going to be interest the first year, even if you stink, because it's a new arena with a lot of like big name in-state opponents. So that'll do enough. You need somebody that can come in and make you a team that wins, right? So you get somebody that can win, and that also doesn't break the bank because they're not really willing to spend all that much. So that's where you've got to go for one of the you know three guys we mentioned or someone who fits that mold of an assistant or a head coach at a school like Radford or somewhere where you can up the salary and actually be a stepping stone for them in terms of um, moving up the rank. Yeah. I think Jamie needs to embrace the stepping stone role. Yeah. Like I, I think JMU as an administration has in a way, mm-hmm. um, I think Jamie fans need to kind of figure out that JMU isn't, it's where we all went for four years and to enjoy ourselves. But what did we use JMU for to get our, to get our degree and use it as a stepping stone to a job. Like that's what these coaches are using JMU for last men's basketball question before we move on to women's basketball for you. Why the is a team with this much talent one in six in the league? Is it coaching? Is it the talent really isn't as talented as we thought it was? Is it the wrong offensive scheme? Stop me when I hit the right thing. So I was looking at the detailed Ken Palm stuff. And you look at the conference. So much buzz marketing for detailed Ken Pong. I know. And the defense <laughs> is like, based on their metrics, is like sixth in the league in conference play. The offense is like dead last. So they're scoring some points because they run a high tempo. Their efficiency offensively has been horrendous. And I think my big thing is that when the team turns the ball over, the team takes just a horrendously ill-advised shots. There's absolutely no consequences. When's the last time you watched a JMU game and thought, wow, those four possessions by this player were not very good. And then the player stayed in the game. Like, I think if you watch other teams, you watch Virginia, you watch Wisconsin, you watch any of these random teams that I happen to watch. And if you make, like, two bad possessions that are just terrible boneheaded plays, somebody else is coming in for you. And JMU is deep enough to do that. I just think they need to have more consequences for mistakes and take it more seriously and and maybe not play with so much pace and say, you know what, let's slow it down. Let's get it to Dwight Wilson inside. If we kick it out, get a three, that's great too. But let's sort of focus on what we do. Let's value the basketball and play really good defense where we're active defensively, and they don't do any of those things. No. So so that's sort of <laughs> the concern is just they don't do anything right. They don't – well, that's, that's a, little bit, a little bit harsh. <laughs> but they're – that was really harsh. <laughs> it just kind of came out. I'm sorry. Um, 
They, <laughs> it's not that they don't. Well, no, they do they it. have the eighth highest adjusted tempo tempo right? in the nation. So they have tempo right. Like that's the thing with this team. If they're off, if if that tempo translated to like, like good offensive looks. power, like like good, yeah, good looks, like a rhythm on offense or something. <laughs> All of a sudden, things start changing. And maybe it is just that one little tweak if shots start to fall. But, like, that doesn't happen overnight if you haven't been doing that all season. If you're 214th in the nation in adjusted offensive efficiency, like, that's not changing overnight. Um, yeah. Like, you're right. They don't do a lot of things well. They, they defend the ball. They, they play good defense at times. Dwight Wilson yeah. is their best player. I mean, he's doing things that only James Weissman from Memphis was doing while he was in. <laughs> right. Like, no, but really, Dwight's a great player. Darius is a great player, and Matt is too. It, I just feel like some most of the time there isn't a set offensive game plan. It's it seems like we're going to run the offense through Matt, and we're going to figure it out as we go, rather than all right, guys, feed the ball down into the post to Dwight, who will then facilitate the rest of the offense. Because if we're playing from the inside out, we'll get open looks on the edge. But right now we're playing from the outside in, and defenses don't even have to get into the paint really to defend this team. Right. I think that's a huge issue. I think there's just random lacks of intensity. I'd love to get in on these halftime speeches because they come out so dead sometimes um, after halftime. So, I mean – there's a lot of issues with this team. When I said they don't do anything right, that's a little bit harsh because they have stretches. But I think the main thing is that they're just so incredibly inconsistent on both ends. And the other teams in the CAA, I don't know that they're necessarily consistent overall, but they're consistent enough. And they have enough stretches that they can beat JMU. And that's the issue is JMU should be able to exert its dominance on both ends with some of these athletes. But schematically, I don't know that there's much of anything going on that makes sense. And I think that hurts them. And, they haven't been good for a while and they need a change, unfortunately. And I don't know. I don't know. I think they need to, to do something to find someone that can, that can change it around. And if Lewis Rowe can do it, I hope he can do it, man. At the end of this season, I just have absolutely no expectation for that happening. Yeah. And the other teams just have that consistency for longer. Basketball is a yeah. straight up game of runs. Like there's no other way to put it. And JMU does go on those runs, but it seems like they're on the receiving end of those runs for a lot longer (laughs) than they can sustain one. And in games that they can sustain one, they lose 76 to 75. And I think that's the other thing, too, is like some of the games where they sustain one, like you were saying, the other teams sustain one for longer. So maybe JMU will go on like a 12-0 run, but it's so – how many times have we seen them go on a run to like tie the game? You know what I mean? Where they're already down 15. Yeah, could you imagine them going on a 15-0 and run up three? Right. That's the thing is that they're not able to sort of withstand any runs, hang in there, and then put the pedal down despite all the talent. And I have to think some of it at this point has got to be mental. The amount they've lost the last few years, it's hard to just go out every game and, and lose by as many points. Do you remember, I guess it was two years ago now, right? Their freshman season, some of these stars – do you remember when we talked – everyone talked about how they were young and inexperienced, but they're going to learn how to finish. They're, once they learn how to finish, they've never learned how to finish. Well, I, that you kind of brought up the point that that just hit me too. I think we got, we got hit by this idea at the same exact time. I think, yeah, it, it just seems like they're defeated at times. This year, I don't remember a JMU basketball season 
where they're getting blown out this much. Yes. Like normally it's, man, they've lost their last four or five games, but by a combined margin of 10. Okay. Maybe not that close, but like, you know, like yeah, they're yeah, yeah. always in it late. I, there were so many times they'd have a lead with two minutes left and they lose in heartbreaking fashion on a buzzer beater or, or something. And it just seems like this season, what they lost to Towson by one in a heartbreaker, but then just six of the 10 losses are by double digits. It helps that I look at the right basketball schedule. I was just on women's basketball and I was like, <laughs> wait, they, they did not go on a six, <laughs> seven game winning streak earlier this season. They've lost six of their 10 by double digits and they've had some close losses. The Hofstra was really close. Delaware, they're right in there and they just blew it. Drexel game was really close. They, they almost choked away the, um, <laughs> the ultimate game in epic fashion. Um, but I mean, yeah, they just haven't done enough this year. <laughs> and they've got chances. They've got chances. That was such a game. That was absolutely <laughs> insane, man. You remember that? No, no. Buzzer, oh, God. buzzer beat. <laughs> they call off. They went, oh, my goodness. That was peak JMU. <laughs> it's frustrating, too, because I actually think there's like way more interest in the program than people understand. Um, I've sort of said for years that it's like there's not that much interest, but once you start talking about it and the coach and the lack of winning, so many people have stories. Alfonso <laughs> Ball just got murdered. So many people. <laughs> because everyone, have... everyone wants to, like, wants to be a fan of men's basketball. Mm-hmm. And they just aren't. Like, they just can't be. Like, you know, like, and alumni, too. A lot of the alumni, especially the, yes. the older ones um, who were they there. Return to the glory yeah, days. The, the ones that were there for the glory days are like, what happened? Like, we were a top mid-major. I don't even think mid-major existed then. But, like, we were a top program at one point. And now we can't win the darn CAA to save our life. What? They can't even finish outside the bottom four and get a, a first round bye. That's what's just so crazy is they just haven't been able to do it. And it's it's disappointing. It's it's rough. And the one thing I was thinking is the football team wasn't nearly what it was um, like in the golden age of basketball. So I think that's like an interesting sort of juxtaposition where you've got. Yeah, I was thinking na- that too. Now. Because we're going to talk in 20 years. I don't know what the football team will still be in 20 years, like how, how good it will be or what conference or whatever. They'll win the last um, 19 of 20 national championships. What do you mean? <laughs> Take down North Dakota State's <laughs> dominance. But <laughs> I mean, I think that's what is so fascinating to me is like when we look back at our college career, when we talk about like the athletes that stood out. We're going to talk about uh, Brian Shore. Badly. Nicole, yeah, yeah, those players and like Megan Good for softball and that stuff. Um, some of those elite athletes, but a lot of them are going to be football. And I think now when you talk people, they're, they bring up basketball players from the 80s, but I don't think any of us are going to be like, and I, I, don't, I don't know, I guess I probably shouldn't say that. But what were you going to say? What were you going to say? Well, I don't think anyone, <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone's going to look back and be like, do you remember like Jackson Kent? Like nobody, you know what I mean? Like, and I, Jackson Kent was a decent player. Do you remember Ron really... Curry? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like no one's going to actually think back and be like, do you remember those memories when like, they hit that shot to be 11 and 10. Like, no, do, you, yeah. do you remember that epic comeback against Elon in 2016? You can make an argument that the most famous player the last few years is Andre Nation. 
and Andre Nation ended up getting kicked off the team, and I, I hope he's doing well. But I know that he struggled and had issues. Like the the most relevant JMU headlines are when he would get in a fight with Tom Vadanovich off campus. Like the team just really <laughs> struggled. It's true, and I don't know. It's just there weren't many storylines at all. It was there's nothing, man. And they had Charles Cook, who I think was kind of an ego, but he ended up going and playing in Dayton and being very good. Uh, I just I don't know. It's funny it's, to me because like. When I first got to the school in 2015, everyone was like, yeah, we, we recruited to, to be a great team around Andre Nation, and then Andre got kicked off the team. So, like, we're kind of figuring things out as we go, but we'll be good. We'll be good in, like, a year or two. And then, right. <laughs> and then it's that was, I remember that. five that or was, six years a- ago, and we've been through two different recruiting, like, schools right. almost, like – Hmm. we're still not good. And I was looking today and like Matt Lewis is, if he stays next year, is going to make a legitimate run of becoming like the all time leading scorer at JMU. Like he's done some special things and Darius Banks has been really good. Dwight Wilson is putting up numbers. Like you were saying that are just unreal. <laughs> they can't win. So, I mean, at a certain point when you can't win, you've got this talent, you got to just figure out a way to, yeah. to win. Because I think, I don't want to say more than football, but almost more than football, JMU fans have craved like a successful men's basketball team I, because they can compete at the national level where they're going up against the best of the best and making like a sweet 16, not at like the lower level. You know what I mean? And I think that's why fans are just – it would be special to watch JMU in March. And I think you look at the way JMU fans converge for the FCS playoffs. You look at the way they converge online for like the softball regionals. Yeah. I think if a, a JMU team made the NCAA tournament as like a 12 seed, Harrisonburg would be going nuts. The online community would be going nuts. Campus would be going crazy. It would just be so much fun. Yeah, like we got some of our best engagement on at JMU Sports News Twitter. You should go ahead and give us a follow if you don't already. <laughs> we got some of our best engagement when they beat Michigan. Like, yeah, that was just off the chart stuff because they didn't beat Michigan Upstate. They beat the university of michigan like right and i think students will care once they start winning um i don't think students care right now because they don't want to waste their thursday night watching a team get demolished but if they can go to the new arena and watch the team win games and have fun at these games i think students will start to love it i think harrisonburg will really start to love it and i think the alumni base will come back for big games um, kind of like they do for football and basketball can be that big thing. And yeah, if they make a run to the sweet 16 as a 12 seed, maybe one year they, they just rattle off some stuff like San Diego state is doing right now, or Dayton is doing and make a run at a real, like solid seed, 10 seed, nine seed, something like that. Harrisonburg will explode and things will go crazy. Right. I mean, it's a team that I think people want to be good and people want to see. Like, I'm only an hour away, and they played um, in late November against Coppin State at home, and I was about to make the trip, and I was like, uh, don't do this. <laughs> so I didn't go. They end up losing at home to Coppin State by 16. I'm like, thank goodness I didn't go. And then I almost went, when they played Delaware, they end up losing by four. So, I mean, I've, I want to get there one last time in the combo just to, to have that experience. But maybe I'll go to a women's game or something. But, I mean, I think that's probably the better play. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just been disappointing to see this team at this level, and 
I don't know. I mean, I, I watch them and I go into each game thinking, you know, what if they just piece these together? And then I watch the game and I'm like, all right, this is in complete disarray. <laughs> well, speaking about women's basketball, how are they doing? I'm very excited about this team and I'm happy we have switched gears finally. They are 13 and 3, 4 and 1 in the league. They're looking good. The one you mentioned the one point loss earlier to Towson. Yeah, when I thought um, I was talking about men's basketball. <laughs> right. <Yep. laughs> That's one where they were down a bunch, rally back, still lost. That's a big time hurtful loss that, for that, at large. That chances. takes them out. In I in my so. humble opinion, because we all know my opinion is the best opinion out there. They just don't have a quality. <laughs> they and they have three quality losses. Yeah, not yeah, they, actually not quality losses. Like they they got two that probably hurt Virginia and, and uh, yeah. Towson they have one then, quality loss and they have two take you out of out at large bid contention. So they yeah, gotta win so the that CAA. I think so, but I mean, I love this team. I love what Kiki Jefferson has added. I love Kamaya Smalls and just the fact that you know we barely even talk about Kayla Cooper Williams and what she's done. Lexi Barrier almost never gets headlines. She's incredible. And Jackie so, Benitez, Nikki exactly. Oppenheimer, Nikki Oppenheimer Green. can shoot the lights out, man. She's awesome. She's awesome. She had 12 in the win over uh, who was a college of Charleston. All three-pointers, of course, because she can stroke it from the outside. Kamaya Smalls only had nine in that game. They still won by, what was it, 34? So really good team that's doing a lot. And, and I'm excited about them. I'm excited about them because I think that if they make the NCAA tournament, I think they can actually do some damage. Well, yeah, I mean, they have a lot of, like, weapons on offense. Yeah. Like, you look, they have Kamaya. You've, we, I mean, you just named them all. Kamaya, Jackie, Lexi, Kiki, and Kayla. They're starting five. Actually, I don't know if that's their starting five. That's their starting I five, right? They do. They have an interesting starting five at different times. But those five players all can put up buckets. Granted, they average 19.4, 11.9, 9.5, 7.8, 7.5 respectively. Um, But Kiki Jefferson just had a double-double last game. And Kiki Jefferson can go off whenever she's needed to. But right now she's a freshman and she doesn't need to go off because you have Kamaya, Jackie, and Lexi in front of her in terms of who's going to score first. So, like – this team is just so dangerous across the board, and you tweeted it. The, the type of win they put together against College Charleston, if they can bottle that up and, and do that for the rest of the season, they can win one or two or yeah, uh, maybe more NCAA games, depending on how it all shakes up for them. Because against a Maryland team, which was ranked eighth in the nation at the time, they should have won. 100% they should have won, yes. But they didn't, and, and I think here it, we are. No, but it's it's fascinating, too, because they scored 20 points in every quarter in the win over College of Charleston. I think we've talked in the past that, like, they've always been pretty good on defense. But if they can actually score the ball with any regularity um, offensively, if they're able to, to do some good things, this is a team that becomes a legit Sweet 16 threat. And what's so fascinating is that, like, there are players looking at the box score that people don't think about at all that did some really good things. Madison Green led the team with seven assists. She's great didn't shoot the ball well, but she had seven assists, team lead. You look at Kiki Jefferson, her double-double, 12 rebounds, seven were on the offensive glass. Whew. She also added three blocks and two steals. Like, what kind of freshman is able to do that? That's ridiculous. Yeah. And then Rain Tucker, who I don't think we've mentioned ever on this podcast, five blocks in 19 minutes and seven rebounds and seven points off the bench. Tremendous effort, right? So they've got so many players that can do really good things. The depth on this team, Devin Merritt, is so solid. Like, they've just got so much. And then if you get Kamaya Smalls in one of her zones against a good team, add in Lexi Berry or Kiki Jefferson, Jackie Benitez. You look at uh, Kayla Cooper-Williams, who didn't play in that game. 
Oh, <laughs> I love how this happens to us when we're doing these podcasts. Where we're like, <laughs> how do Look I not how know great this? this team is? And then we're like, wait, are they injured? Is she hurt? <laughs> yeah, she's played in two games. What the heck? I feel like this. <laughs> do people report this? <laughs> the breeze in the DNR. Where are you? <laughs> Right, let me look it up. Well, she's obviously important. <laughs> Great takeaway. <laughs> dumbest. I've had a really bad podcast today. Um, yeah, they didn't mention it all, so I don't know why she's hurt. Let me look it up on Twitter. That's where you really get news. Okay, but what were you just saying? Better. Oh, while you're looking that up, I just want to throw something out there. Is it me, or does it feel like Kamaya has had kind of a relatively quiet season? Is it because I'm not she, watching every single game? So I think like... so. <laughs> she's she's definitely had some quiet games. She's had like two or three, but then outside of those, she's pretty good. I think she's averaging like 19 points a game or something. Yeah, 19.4. But she has had – she scored only nine at the College of Charleston. She had uh, 10 against Robert Morris. So she's had – and then six against um, UCF in a win. So she's had a couple down games, but she's also had um, some pretty solid Yeah, she had a well. career best earlier in the season, right? 29 against Delaware 29. State. Yeah, so she can fill it up. When she's on, she's on. Just gotta, just gotta get her there. She's a good player, though. Player. What'd you find about Kayla Cooper Williams? There's like nothing, bro. This is <laughs> absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. This is the fun part about being a mid-major schools podcast. This is the worst <laughs> because, like, have any information. Collegiate athletics is already so like close to the best about everything, and when. There isn't a lot of media prying and poking and prodding. You can just well, completely cover the games. You could just completely miss that. Shouldn't they be at the game? They don't have to do recaps anymore. Oh, he's the oh Shane's the men's guy. And the women's. Does he do women's too? Yeah, but he <laughs> he just tweets like <laughs> he's like, oh wow, they're super athletic. Gotta be crazy how good they are. But then there's like not an actual update in the game. Maybe he wasn't covering the game, but he just added that in, which is a very interesting point, actually, is that the fact that they are just, like, super loaded athletically. The Breeze. What is the Breeze doing these days? That's why Tucker Rain was in. Wow, I just really hit my blister on hard on this uh, table. How are they not? What the hell are they doing? (laughs) Sorry. How does nobody have that? That was the other thing. Like, Kirsten Rocap, I feel like that got – because somebody tweeted at us, like, hey, she's not on the roster. I feel like that's why that became a story. But I could be wrong. Tweet it out. Anyone know why Caleb Cooper-Williams ain't playing? <laughs> I should. Did you just tweet <laughs> it? No, should I? Yeah, why not? Right, we'll see if we can answer. Do a live tweet. Um, I wonder if he said it at – I bet he said it at O'Neill's. I'll go back and look. Yeah, but I feel like there's just going to be not a now, but... in it. But – what were, what were you talking about before that? Let's let's, get, let's dive back into women's basketball. Yeah, sorry. That they're they're loaded talent wise. I think that's sort of what stands out about this team is they're really um, good at both ends. If they can score the ball consistently, I think they'll be they'll be really special in the NCAA tournament. And I'm excited to see the rest of the conference season. I'd like to see them run the table the rest of the way and finish 17 one in the should. league. Uh, they should. And they've got what 12, 13 left. 13. I don't know how math works. How many games they play? 18. They played five. 13. 13 games left in the league. Um, I'd like to see them finish strong, get in there, and then and then I really just want to see them roll through a tournament. Like it's insane that under O'Regan they haven't won it yet because of how good they've been under him. So I hope that they can finally get there this year. Kamaya Smalls, Lexi Barrier, yeah, Kayla Cooper Williams deserved to end their career. Last year what just happened was just so sad. It was so unfortunate. Like, the injuries. Just I've never seen 
a team get hit that hard to their star players like that? Like, Kamaya gone, Lexi gone. Who else? I think Madison Green got banged up. Yeah, too. Madison Green was banged. Man, last year was just crazy. And they and Jackie Benitez was the saving grace and shot like fifteen percent. Like it was her. Yeah, it one was, of the worst games of her career. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully they can get it together. I mean, if they are healthy, I think they'll they'll win the league. Um, but. I'm really hoping that they do because I think it would be great for the team, the school, to be able to play in the NCAA tournament, make it there. It would be great for their legacy and all that stuff and, and just good for the university. So hopefully they get there. I'm excited about this team. We'll maybe take a deep dive a little later in the year. I think with the women's team, it's a little bit hard just because there aren't there really aren't as many talking points because they're so good. You kind of know what you're going to get in a positive way, which is a weird way to view it, but it, it is true. They're just so dominant that – it takes later into the season for us to really dive into sort of what is going to make this team go. It's funny. Cause I was going to say that I was going to say, we spend so much time complaining about basketball and we spend so much time talking about football. But then when it comes to women's basketball, we're like, they're darn good. They're deep and they should make a run this season and they should win out the CAA. And then we're like, all right, that's about it for women's basketball because with football, there's always something we can dissect, something they did wrong or something that's just a talking point. Right. Um, and in men's basketball, there's just always something that we hate and are upset <laughs> about with them. And then women's, it's just like it, – it's like when you have a really bad sibling and you're the good one and your parents <laughs> just praise you for doing everything right even though all you did was write your name. Like women's basketball just wins games. That's that's what they're there to do. And they do it with regularity and they do it with dominance at times. And there's not really much more we can say about the women's program except for that they're darn good. And I think they're the third winningest program in women's basketball history. And it's tough too because we don't we don't do it full time. Not yeah. to be like complaining. But we don't do it full time. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody give us money to do this. But if, I mean, you look at like football and basketball, like the media coverage around them, it's impossible for us. It makes our life easy. Ask Twitter users to like miss a storyline where in this case, I don't know what happened to Kayla Cooper Williams (laughs) because nobody reports on this team, which sucks. And it's like terrible and they should be reported on way more. Just like softball should get way more coverage um, because they're good and they deserve it. So I guess we'll try to, Sort of, I should make more of a point to watch some of the Monday O'Neill stuff. Um, it's exactly when the ACC does their coaches <laughs> teleconference too, so that makes it challenging. Yeah, there's but I'll go back no shame in in not doing your action. No, but I'm going to try to go back and watch some of this stuff and get a better feel. Um, just because it, it's good that they get reported on, and they should get reported on. I think women's basketball is a sport that deserves a lot more attention. You see ESPN tweet about it. And you got a bunch of idiots who are in the mentions like, "Oh, they should be in the kitchen." It's like some random dumbass <laughs> in their basement. Um, but I mean, you look at like women's basketball, the product the last few years, um, college and, and professionally has gotten a lot better. And I think it's a lot of fun to watch and enjoy. And I mean, this team deserves praise for the work they put in the effort they put in. I think O'Regan's a great coach and I would be thrilled to watch this team make a little NCAA tournament run. I think that would be an absolute blast. I think one of the most fun memories for me of the last athletic year was the NIT run. Uh, for women's basketball. That was a lot of fun. I'd say that was probably num of 2019 top things to happen. It was up it there. Was I up would there. say I I think that and softball were like 
going right at it, right? And football. Yeah, or of course, of course, football always. <laughs> but yeah, but I think that that and softball, like the, especially the Virginia Tech WNIT game, that one to me was that like was the championship for JMU. <laughs> when, like, that all was, the, yeah. always, yeah. it was like Kenny Brooks came to Harrisonburg <laughs> and we beat him in a good game. That was awesome. I, I really enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun with that one. And uh, for a game that wasn't going to get on national TV, like softball was on national TV, which yeah. was really cool. But this was uh, pretty darn. Also, college softball destroys my soul man that stuff's way too intense they need to tone that down i can't do it it's seven innings and it's so intense and like any hit is incredibly relevant and valuable oh, it because really of how good the pitchers are oh my god it's horrible. and the way the, think... the fields are laid out that like they're so tiny a hit if you get on base one like one little blooper to left Yes, can score you, and you're like, "What in the world is happening?" It's what I'm watching, because, and also anyone can hit a home run except for Cambry Arnold. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw her under the bus like that. <laughs> but like every awesome, team, sla- I don't know, she's fantastic. But like anyone right. on Everyone, every yeah. team can hit a home run except for their slapper. Yes, and every and leadoff person is a slapper. And they're they fly, and the base paths are so small <laughs> that like if the ball is in play, they're probably safe. God. I love it. Quick side note. I was just looking yes. at Coach O's all-time record against certain teams. Want to know a crazy stat about Coach O? Always. He only has a losing record against two teams. Guess those two teams. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay, hold on. The first one's very easy. Very easy. Is it like Maryland? Yeah, it's Maryland. He's 0-2 against they, Maryland. 0-2. And, and then the other one. The, he's 1-2 against this team. This one's kind of a tough one. I bet it's Elon. No, he has a is winning record ta- against Elon. Is it Towson? No, he has a winning record against Towson. Wait, hold on. A conference or not? Non-conference. Oh, shoot. If it was conference, one it would be more than one and two. He's been here for how long has he been? <laughs> Three years. Oh, but they play him all like a bunch. Okay. Understand. Four years? Three years. I think this is his fourth year. He was he started with Roe. Yeah. Um non-conference. It's going to be is it like a CAA team in football, but not basketball. What? in the heck come on that's that 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 takes it down to like I know it five should teams be. well now i'm blanking on all the football teams <laughs> i'm trying to think of who he would have possibly lost the about. last mid-major to win a men's basketball tournament get a tournament like a national championship yes the last what? mid-major was this school. This is hold on, don't tell me. This is really destroying <laughs> my soul. The last they won a national championship and they're in this oh, 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 Villanova. Thank you. <laughs> That's what we were really long time. <laughs> He's one and two against Villanova. I was like, when did Stony Brook <laughs> when <laughs> did <laughs> Albany win a men's <laughs> God? Those are all the teams I was thinking. I always forget the Villanova because they're so good at basketball. <laughs> Is in the uh, those were heartbreaking losses, and they beat him this year, I think, right? 
did they? I don't think they played. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. And the other two, yeah, were very heartbreaking. Yeah. One of them was and in they the stuck NIT. In that win, yeah. It was like 27-18. I think it was their NIT loss. Yeah. That was like no, the last Precious Hall game or something. Yeah. No, yeah, it was 16-17. I don't think Zion has scored yet. He just got his first bucket. Come on, man. What? Keep up with the times. I missed it. I just got the ESPN push notification. Well, right, I just need the video. Um, We talked about what makes this team good. It's just their versatility. Their everything about yeah. them. Kiki Jefferson's great. We're going to have a piece coming out. Hopefully Sunday. I think that's my next off day. Yeah. Kind of comparing Kiki Jefferson and her freshman year to the likes of Precious Hall, Don Evans, Kirby Buckholder, uh, Nikki Newman, Kamaya, the, the recent greats of Jasmine Guathme, um, the recent greats of JMU women's basketball. We'll have that coming out on Sunday or Monday. Seeing if Kiki Jefferson is on pace or on the path to be the next women's basketball great player. They have a lot. They have a a rich history of some great players coming through. Um, Yeah, they're doing well. How are they doing women's basketball? Anything else you want to add? They're 40th in the RPI, which is actually pretty dang good. Actually, that's really good. At large. Easily. I I may make a little like an update on their NCAA tournament status either. Yeah. This with your week detailed or... Ken Palm. My... <laughs> I don't even think they have like women's basketball kingdom, but I might do something related to just the team in general here in the next few days as well uh, to get them some women's basketball coverage. We have the detailed one on men's basketball, but I think it's good that we hit that. Yeah. And then we'll probably write about Kayla time... Cooper Williams being injured. Oh, <laughs> I'll try to maybe do like one, major we'll have to figure something out for spring spring sports previews with lacrosse is starting on february 8th softball i want to say they start on valentine's day <laughs> hey oh i don't know why that matters but <laughs> oh they have an awesome tournament they play on sorry, on espn in the clearwater invitational right all these espn three games hell yeah they're gonna dominate people are odyssey they? alexander yeah they are Texas Tech, they don't know what's up. Kansas, boom. South Carolina, Missouri, boom, boom, Yeah, but boom, every boom. year they're, like, supposed to dominate, and they end up going, like, three and three in that tournament. Nothing against it. It's a great tournament against Power That's 5 scary. teams. But I'm excited about it. I think Odyssey, Alexander, I want to see what the other pitchers have. I want to see if the offense can get going against some Power 5 schools. We'll see. And also, men's golf put out, like, a six-minute video of what appears to be the greatest life in the world. It's basically <laughs> them touring their facility. We, we retweeted it. Or quote tweeted it. They're ba- that's how you get engagement, folks. What you do is you just quote tweet with like one sentence, and really you let their content fuel your content. <laughs> but the engagement goes up. It's it's pretty good. But men's golf six minute video where they're basically just living their life, and they're in there eating food, doing like what appears to be a pretty simple lift, and then putting around. And I'm like, this is the dream. But it's six minutes. They seem like great guys living it up. They also start their spring slate on Valentine's Day. Your hypeness around golf really is amazing to me. I love golf. Dude, do you see the video of Tiger Woods hitting? It was like 25 seconds of him just flushing the ball today. (laughs) Got chills, man. Do you know something crazy? Yeah. You know who has the Masters? CBS. You get to, are you going to be working during the Masters? I get a live tweet (gasps) it. Oh my God. We'll probably have like the whole team and. Dude, I love the Masters. I'm obsessed with the what, What's this weekend? Torrey Pines? Yeah. Pebble it's Beach. like the farmers. Yeah, farmers farm, yep, yep, I've, I'm, yep. I know. I'm pretty pretty darn stoked. <laughs> when is Tiger tee off? Do we know? I don't know, but he's this, 12 to 1. The podcast has effectively still. ended. Um, so, yeah, but real I, quick to, to wrap it all up. Bennett loves golf. 
Um, for him, I'm Jack Fitzpatrick. Follow us on Twitter at Jamie Sports News. Look us up on Facebook. Just type in JMU Sports News in the search bar and you head on over to our home on the web, www.jmusportsnews.com. You'll have a wonderful rest of your Thursday or whenever you're listening to this, whether that be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or next Wednesday or next Thursday. You know, I really don't care. Um, but I just hope you There's listen to us. Yeah, I was just. I was like, wow, I just kept going with the days of the week. Hope you enjoy it. Any comments, questions, complaints can head on over to jmusportsnews at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Um, And yeah, that's about it. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.